Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all home. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Great. It's, uh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Um, I think uh, it's exciting for me to be here. I don't know that I've actually met you guys in this room, so I don't know. It's been such a long time since we've been here, so it's a privilege to be here. Let me pray for us as we come and look at God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that we've gathered together not to listen to me or any of my uh, terrible ideas, but we've come to listen to you speak to us from your Word. What a joyful privilege it is to be listeners to the living God. And we pray this morning that you might help us to listen thoughtfully and carefully, and that you might, by your spirit, speak to us, that we might leave changed and transformed and encouraged. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you'll notice, Psalm 121 starts by asking that really, really important question. I lift my eyes to the hills or to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Now, it's not super clear in the psalm whether the hills are the location of the trouble, as in a, an army coming over the uh, horizon, perhaps surrounding the city, or whether retreat is, whether you are running to the hills or running for the hills or for the mountains to escape the trouble. But that doesn't matter, I don't think, too much. The point is clear, isn't it? The psalmist is looking for help in the midst of trouble. Given the way the Psalms of Ascent work, and this is one of the Psalms of Ascent, it's the second one, they are grouped into groups of three. And normally, the first one of the group of three is the trouble, the second one is the salvation, and the third one is the hope. And so given the way that that works, I think the trouble that the psalmist is facing is probably outlined in Psalm 120, which if you glance up at that, you'll find it's the trouble of people telling lies, trouble of twisted words and hateful speech that makes for war, accusations that come like sharp arrows. But even if that is the specific context, the general nature of verse 1, I think, means that, that the psalmist is speaking of any kind of trouble that we might be facing. And in any kind of trouble, the big question is, where is help going to come from? Now, before we go any further, just pause with me and think what a brilliant question that is for the psalmist to be asking. Because if we're really honest, we know, don't we, that it is impossible in this life to stop trouble from coming. You know that, don't you? You will not be able to dodge every diagnosis. You won't. You will not be able to control the mood of your uh, form tutor or boss on Monday morning. You will not be able to control the feelings that others have about you or the words that they use to describe you. You will not be able to control the vagaries of the job market. And despite what you think, if you're a parent this morning, you cannot control the outcomes for your children. And Psalm 121 knows all of that. It assumes all of that right from the off. And so it's not asking the stupid question, which we often ask, don't we? How can I avoid all trouble? It's not asking that question. That's a dumb question because you can't. 
It's asking a better question, which is, in the face of trouble, what are you going to do? Where can you turn for help? Now, not only is the psalmist honest, he also doesn't keep you waiting for an answer, which is good, isn't it? He says it right there in verse 2, my help comes from the Lord. And then he goes on to repeat the idea that his help comes from the Lord because the Lord is his uh, keeper, if you've got an ESV, or, or watching over you. The Lord is my keeper. It gets repeated all the way through. Look at verse 3. He who keeps you or watches over you. Verse 4. He who watches over Israel. The Lord is your, verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. He is watching over you. Verse 7. The Lord will keep you. He will watch or keep your life. Verse 8. The Lord will keep or watch over again. In other words, Psalm 121 says, listen, for the Christian, for the one who now by faith in Jesus Christ belongs to God as one of his children, they can know, you can know, if that's you this morning, that in the midst of trouble, whatever that trouble might be, you can know that God is watching over you. He is your keeper, looking after you, protecting you, shielding you, caring for you. Now, that on its own would be brilliant, wouldn't it? If that's all the psalm said, that would be fantastic. We could you know, dine on that all lunch and think about that. But the psalmist doesn't want to leave it there. He gives us uh, three aspects of the Lord's keeping, none of which will now come as a surprise to you because we've talked about them with the children. But here you go. The first one is that the Lord is sleepless. The Lord is sleepless. Notice that's where the psalm starts. The creator of verse 2 is the one who is not sleepy to your trouble in verse 3. Instead, he is alert and stopping you from falling over the cliff in verse 3. He's neither doing that kind of head-nodding, uh, lack-of-attention thing when someone is just kind of fighting sleep, nor is he dozed off completely so that he's ignorant to what's going on. Instead, the creator, your keeper, the watcher over of you, is awake and alert to the trouble that you're in. I remember when I was a sixth former, I lived in Loughborough and I was going to an open day at Birmingham University. And uh, there was a guy in our church who commuted every day from Loughborough to Birmingham. So he offered me a lift to the open day. We set off pretty early. I, don't know, I never went with my parents to university open days. That seems to be an expectation of our children. But anyway, I, I went on my own. Anyway, he offered me a lift. And I remember it really clearly because it was super, super foggy. And as we were driving along the M42 and the M6, it was terrifying because you couldn't see anything. But really the most terrifying thing was it appeared as if my driver had not noticed that it was foggy at all. It had not moderated any of his driving practices. He was speeding along as if he could see. At one point he said, wow, I think I should perhaps turn the fog lights on. I was like, yeah, no kidding, right? Maybe slow down as well. Anyway, he then, it was, a, it was a Rover Montego. You remember Rover Montegos, right? So he's looking in the car for the button that switches on the fog lights, because he has no idea where it is. And then he switches on the heated rear window, thinking that he's solved the problem. Anyway, I remember that because it was just terrifying. Here is a guy who is completely ignorant to the danger that we're in and is doing nothing of any use about it. And what Psalm 121 wants you to know is that God is not like that. The driver of the universe, the one in whose hands is your life, is not sleepy to the trouble that you're in. He's awake. He's awake. 
And he is holding you, verse 3, fixing your feet firmly to the spot. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows what's being said about you. He knows why it's being said. He knows what's going to happen next. He knows whether that job will open up. He knows whether that university place will be available. He knows whether the diagnosis will be clear or not. He knows whether the treatment will be successful or not. He knows, and he's in charge. I think if we're honest, one of the most stressful things about trouble, whatever it is, is the uncertainty that it brings. Everything is thrown up in the air, isn't it, all of a sudden? When you thought you knew what was happening, trouble humbles you because it forces you to acknowledge that for all the pretense that we put up, actually we know very little, don't we? But God knows. You know, I think if it was us, we, you know, we lift our eyes to the mountains and we think, well, goodness, I didn't see that coming. And Psalm 121 says, no, no your keeper did. The Lord never slept, never slept, never sleeps. He's alert to everything you face and is holding your feet steady. Secondly, your keeper provides. Verses 5 and 6, uh, the image is different, isn't it? It's your shade. Here's the picture, is the sun striking down on you, or a blinding moonlight, maybe, or the scariness of the darkness. And the point is that the Lord, your keeper, is not only alert and awake to the danger that you're in, but is also shading you from it so that you will not be burned up by it. Here is the image of God coming between you and the trouble, uh, shielding you from its destructiveness. And again, it's a beautiful and reassuring image, isn't it? That Christian this morning, that the, the heat or the trouble that you are facing, that's beaming down on you, will only impact you to the extent to which the Lord permits it to. Because he is a shade between you and the trouble. Uh, turn with me briefly to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, because I think we see the same thing going on in 1 Corinthians 10. So turn in your Bibles uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's, uh, what page is it on? it's on page 1,151, or 52, um, in your church Bibles. Here in 1 Corinthians, we find Paul talking to the church about the benefits of reading the Old Testament as a Christian, telling us that what it teaches us uh, for how to live in the present. And here he works it out in one particular way. Look down at verse 9. Down at verse 9, what does he say? We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation or literally no trial, no difficulty has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted, tried, tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, tried or tested, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You see the point? Trials, difficulties, temptations. No, you're not unusual facing those. Those are common to all humanity, he says. Everyone faces those. And in the midst of that kind of trouble seems to come this particular temptation to give up or to grumble. But what we need to know, says Paul, is that God is faithful and he won't let us be tried or tested to breaking points, always providing a way out. Not so much, I don't think, out of the difficulty or trial itself, but out of the temptation to give up or grumble in the midst of it. So he says, notice that we can endure, not escape or avoid, but endure, not give up. Why? Well, because God is moderating what we are facing and standing between us and the trouble. God is our shade, as Psalm 121 puts it. 
I don't know many of you very well this morning, and I don't know what it is that you're facing, but I know you know, because I know that you're thinking about it. It strikes me as a, as a pastor that when I stand up and preach on a Sunday morning, most people are concentrating most sincerely on the trouble that they've been facing that week or are concerned about on Monday morning. And I know that's you. But here's the truth. Whatever it is that's on our minds, regardless of what it is, God stands between you and that heat. And you can trust him that whatever happens, you will not be destroyed. You will not be overwhelmed day or night. You do not have to give up. God will give you the strength to press on because he stands between you and the perils of our evil world. Our keeper is sleepless, but he's also our shade. Finally, the keeper is side by side with us. This is the final pair of verses in verses 7 and 8. The keeper from evil will be keeping us in our going out or our coming in forever and ever. In other words, the the wherever or the whenever, God is there as our keeper, keeping our life by being with us in the midst of trouble. Again, notice this is slightly different, isn't it, from the other two images. God is the sleepless creator. He is powerfully in charge, holding and ruling the world. He is also our sleepless shade standing between us and the trouble. And then he is the one who is side by side with us. So much so that in the midst of trouble, he is not only not very far away, but he never left you even for a moment. I don't know whether you know uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, where the Apostle Paul is recounting to his dear friend Timothy what life has been like for him as he faced his first trial in front of the authorities for preaching the gospel. You would imagine, wouldn't you, that here's the Apostle Paul, the great spiritual father of much of the church, the one who'd worked harder, travelled further, preached more than any of the other apostles. You would imagine, wouldn't you, that when he stood trial for that, there would be a long line of people queuing up to stand in his defence. Oh yeah, I'll speak for him, I'll speak for him. But apparently not. Instead, when he writes to Timothy, he says, when it came to my first defence, no one, no one stood by me, he said. I was totally deserted. And then he says this, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Uh, This is the extraordinary experience of suffering Christians down through the ages, that suffering does not destroy our fellowship with God, but can enrich it and deepen it. It's a startling truth that if we will learn to pray and turn to the Lord when we realise that we have no other hope, at the point where we realise that the world and the devil are out to get us but God has not abandoned us or forgotten us, if we will turn to him then, then we will find that we see the Lord's nearness and experience it in a way that might escape us if life was easy. God is our sleepless shade and he is side by side in the trouble Now, before we finish and we think about how to apply the psalm, I want us just to notice uh, one more thing that's going on here. Think about with me these images that the psalmist has given us. Uh, God, the Lord, Yahweh, the covenant God. The mountains in verse 1 might actually be the, the covenant mountains, the mountains of promise. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. What is he like for his people who trust in him? Well, he's the sleepless creator. We've seen that. He's shading from evil. He's with us in every moment. But now think about those as somebody who's reading the Bible as a New Testament Christian. Someone who's not just got the Old Testament, but got the whole Bible. Think about those images with me for a moment. What have you got? Well, you've got, haven't you, the great and glorious Lord, the covenant God, who is a trinity. He's the triune God, yeah? The sleepless ruler, glorious in the heavens, 
sovereign over creation, mighty in all his plans, majestic in all he does, unfathomably brilliant in all his ways, holding all things in his hands. God the Father, the owner of the story of redemption from the beginning of time, creating, ruling and sustaining. That's those opening four verses, isn't it? Then in verses five and six, you've got God the Son, our shade. Shading us not so much from the blazing brilliance of the sunshine, but from the blazing holiness of the wrath of God at our sin. That shield of the cross as God the Son takes on human flesh, born as a woman, living in sinless perfection, before giving his life in the place of sinners, bearing in his own body the judgment that we deserve for our sin, that he might shade us as those who trust in him. Shading us not just from the trouble in life, but from eternal hell under the wrath of God that our sin deserves, fully shaded by the cross. And then verse 7 and 8, you've got this idea that God is with us, and he's with us by his spirit, isn't he? The one promised to us by the Son who dwells with us as our helper and our keeper, so that whether we go out or come in, whether it's today or tomorrow, God is with us by his spirit, not just in his inescapable omnipresence, which all of humanity live with, even though they don't acknowledge it, but in his personal presence, living in us, coming with us, helping us. You see, this is where to turn in times of trouble when life is difficult. You turn, yes, to the sleepless shade who is side by side with us, but to put it more theologically, to put it more Bible-richly, our help comes from the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That God, the God, is our helper and our keeper, the watcher over us. Working in glorious Trinitarian union, together yet distinctly keeping us in the midst of trouble. But listen, if that's right, then how do we apply Psalm 121 to us this morning? What are we going to do with it? Now I reckon, and it's maybe a bit simplistic, but all Psalms are essentially written with one application. Any of you ever written a song? Anyone ever written a song? No one's going to admit it, are they? I'm not going to make you sing it. Don't worry. Anyway, if you've written a song, what do you want to happen with your song? You want to have it sung. Brilliant. I'm glad you're here. Brilliant. You want to have it sung. What does the psalmist want to be done with his song? He wants it to be sung or set. Now, that's really significant, isn't it? Because it means that for you and I this morning, whatever it is that we're facing, whatever trouble that is surrounding us, Get this, because this is important. It's not just the truths of Psalm 121 which help you. It is the singing or the saying of the truths of Psalm 121 which will help you. Do you get the distinction? I think often as Christians we think, oh, okay, it's just about learning some facts. That's what I will really need in trouble. I just need to learn them. And once I've got them in my mind, I don't need to hear them again. And Psalm 121 says, no, actually what you really need in the midst of trouble is to keep speaking these truths, keep singing them, keep rehearsing them. So let's just rehearse through that together about what that might look like. Imagine that you've received some unwanted news. Everything was going great, but then, you know, one checkup with the doctor later and everything's up in the air. Or you thought you were doing really well at university and then a friend turns on you and you're now dreading each day in your flat. You can't wait for each day to end and each turn to be over. You're overwhelmed, perhaps, with work. You can't see your way through. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to pick up Psalm 121, aren't you? 
and you're going to read it or sing it aloud even as you walk down the road. My help comes from the Lord, you're going to say, who made heaven and earth. He will not let my foot be moved. He who keeps me will not slumber. Imagine that. You know what? God's in charge of this. I know going into this meeting that that God is not trying to knock me over. He's not trying to destroy me. He's in charge of all this. My feet are on the ground right now because he's holding them. He's not asleep. He's not caught napping. He knew long before I did that I would be here. Take a few paces down the street and you keep singing. The Lord is my shade at my right hand. The sun will not strike me by day nor the moon by night. And you ponder on this and you think, wow, as bad as this situation is, is, as as hard as it is, this thing that I'm facing, I know now I'm reminded that the Lord is shielding me from the worst thing that could ever happen to me. That heaven is my destiny because I'm shielded by the cross from eternal hell that's way worse. You keep plodding along. My spirit, the spirit is my keeper, sorry. With me in my comings and goings, wherever they may happen. You know, I'm dreading this meeting that I'm about to walk into, but do you know what? The Lord is with me by his spirit. I'm dreading going into this hospital appointment. It's going to be awful. I don't know what they're going to say to me. I know I'm not on my own, though. I can't be. It's impossible for me to go anywhere alone because God, by his spirit, is always with me. Well, I wonder, just as I finish and before I pray, why don't we read aloud Psalm 121 to one another? That's what he intended us to do with it. So let's pick up our Bibles and read aloud Psalm 121, and then I will pray and leave a few moments of quiet for us to reflect on what we've been considering. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore.